It's time to lead the people. The show for aspiring leaders at every level. If you want to boost your self-confidence, get noticed, and maximize your impact by leading others, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Matt Pepsel. Ready to lead? Follow me. Welcome, welcome. My guest today, she is the founder and principal consultant of Frigo Consulting, who is a proud Predictive Index certified partner. Love that. She's also a business psychology practitioner and an active LinkedIn creator like myself. She's a disabled Army veteran and a veteran advocate, and she volunteers at veteran service organizations, including 4Block, where she assists veterans in their transition from service to the civilian workforce. She is Sarah smith Barry. Thank you so much for being with us today, Sarah. Thanks so much, Matt. It's my pleasure. It's my absolute pleasure. Any chance I get to talk about veterans in transition, I'm on board. Oh, it's such a cool and important topic. And I've been looking forward to our conversation for a long time now. Uh, just to help us get oriented a little bit, let's start off pretty simple. Can you tell us a little bit about your military service? Give us some background there. Absolutely. So I was a U.S. Army Korean cryptolinguist. Uh, I actually didn't even finish out my first uh, tour of duty. I had a really bad, nasty fall, broke both of my femurs and tore up both of my hip sockets. And the Army said, get out of here. Uh, I tried to deny five med boards, but after that point, they said, okay, it's getting a little annoying. Just, just sign now. Um, so, you know, the, the, the Army was my dream job, right? And I lost that opportunity. And I wanted that selfless service still in my life. So that's why I continue to do what I do with veterans. Wow. So we have a little bit of a similar background in the sense that I was an Arabic cryptolinguist and uh, had a chance to go through Defense Language Institute, which was exciting. I met my bride there. She was a Spanish linguist at the time. And uh, we went through our duty stations, which was at uh, California, and then later to Goodfellow Air Force Base for cryptography. And then our fleet assignment, both of us, was at uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Oh, OK. Fantastic. So we come from similar worlds then. <laughs> How about that? So that was pretty amazing. So then I'm so sorry to hear about your accident. That was terrible. Both femurs. Ouch. How long was that recovery for you? Uh, it was a long time. So it took me about four months to get my gait uh, just to where I could walk normally. Um, and it was a long road to recovery after that. So, but definitely something that taught me a lot about myself and mental fortitude. So uh, I'm grateful that it happened actually now in retrospect. Wow, that's amazing. I, I think that transitioning from military life, as I know, to civilian life is challenging enough as it is, but to compound that with um, you know, medical recovery, and it sounds like you went through the medical review board process uh, several times. Uh, so yeah, just uh, amazing. I can't wait to learn more about that. Uh, so how about this? Let's talk about the experiences that you did have when you were in the military. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think in terms of the leaders you observed, the leadership uh, principles that you learned, the any opportunities you had to sort of try your hand as a leader, what were some of those early experiences and, and how did they shape your perspective today? Absolutely. So I think I could give you some hand answers like, you know, adaptability or, you know, strength or, you know, just the, the typical canned answers that you would expect. But really, for me, it came down to learning that mental toughness was really a thing. I was a lot stronger than I thought I was. Um, and being put through, especially that injury, that traumatic injury, so early on in my career and kind of having to go through that and watch other people around me who are also in recovery going through that, it kind of gave me um, a hormetic effect on my character. So if you're familiar with the concept of hormesis, stressing yourself and, and adapting to that stress is how we become stronger individuals. And I really think that that's you know, that was the benefit of the military to me, that and learning um, the value of repetition. 
something that doesn't really come naturally to me as something that I would take interest in doing. But there is a lot of value in repetition and experience and uh, military taught me that. So I'm grateful for that. So tell me more about the, you said hormetic. Hormetic, mm -hmm. is that, am I saying that right? So mm -hmm. uh, exposure to stress in a way that makes us stronger. Tell me a little bit more Absolutely. about that. So similar to like exercise. So you would stress a muscle um, uh, when working out, you tear the muscle fibers and then the muscle grows back stronger, right? So that's hormesis in the body. I believe that you can have a hormetic effect on your character as well. So there's all these things that we're naturally predisposed to be able to do well. Uh, for me, that would be talking, <laughs> okay? But perhaps being quiet is not something I'm super great at. So teaching myself to spend time being silent and uh, just observing the moment is something that I can do to create hormesis within my own character and just kind of stretch and push myself in the opposite direction, which is always helpful for leaders. Very cool. Yeah, it reminds me of a technique that I use with the people who work for me whenever I can, at least, which is I talk about, and I didn't create this, of course, where growth happens outside of the comfort zone. But the question is how far outside the comfort zone. So I look for areas and observations and areas for them to sign up for where they can stretch a little bit outside the comfort zone mm -hmm. and kind of manage the stress. I want to experience the stress, you know, for them, but I don't want it to be something that that's too much. And it's kind of like you said, with you don't want to tear a muscle, but you want to you know, strain it a little bit because that's where, where growth happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think another thing would be remaining calm in the face of chaos. That is another thing that I took away from the military. I don't know how it happened or why, uh, but it seems when an event happens, say an emergency situation, I tend to kind of get a very clear head. So an example would be recently, my daughter actually had a severe allergic anaphylactic shock reaction to some eye drops at the eye doctor. I was surrounded by medical professionals and most of them froze and I didn't. So just the fact that I was able to continue to operate, call for the ambulance and everything else, that saved my daughter. So that is something I'm incredibly grateful for to the military as well. I don't know where that happened or why. Uh, perhaps it was some of the some of the things they put me through. Um, but yeah, just just that ability to act and not freeze is is a huge asset. Yeah, I think I experienced a little bit of that as well. And, and congratulations to you for having absorbed that lesson and it benefited your daughter in that case. Holy cow. You have a lot of exciting stories, Sarah. Holy cow. This is unbelievable. My life is full of fun stories. I can't wait to talk more about them. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I was coming up in the military, too, I looked around and everybody else who was more senior to me seemed to be calm. They didn't run. They didn't freak out. And I'm like, OK, I, I'm observing this. And there was so much drill as well. So many you prepare for as many scenarios as you can, knowing you can't prepare for them all. But you feel very well trained in that regard. And mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and you learn that. Um, that type of panic response isn't constructive. It's not going to help anybody. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's just gradually being in more and more of those situations. It gets, it's never easy, but it gets easier. That might be part of it too. Absolutely. It's just that exposure. So I believe that's similar to like immersion training, right? Which is something you experienced going through DLI or the Defense Language Institute for your listeners. Um, one thing that they do there is they immerse us in the culture and the language. It's not just one teacher that we're experiencing or uh, just the language itself. It's the culture. We learn about the region. Uh, we learn about the history. And uh, when we do actually do our assignment, and you know, I spent three years in Korea, when we're over there, um, it is a very immersive experience. And um, it's, again, that hormetic effect. You're dra I mean, it's, it's drastic. In the military, they like to do things, go big or go home. Um, <laughs> but if you're able to survive it and you're able to, to make to make it through those experiences, um, they're super valuable. 
Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I agree 100% that that immersion it's it's one of those things where you can take a job in uh, the civilian world and you work a long day. But in military service, I think some people who haven't experienced it don't appreciate there is no escape. You live in the barracks or wherever you might live and you're just you know they say in in my case a marines a 24 hours a day job because you don't you're never not part of of that service. Right. Absolutely. And you know, Matt, that's actually got me thinking about how um, there's a little bit of an identity crisis that happens when people leave the military. Um, because that 24 hour operation, it becomes our lifeblood. It becomes who we are. It's, it's all we live and breathe. Right. And so when we leave the military it can be a scary concept for so many. Um, and then they'll try to find that same source of energy, that same purpose and passion and drive that everybody likes to tote about in a civilian sector position and the truth is i think it's damaging to uh, preach passion truth or passion purpose and drive to military transitioning members um, instead what i tell them is uh, take care of the things that need to be taken care of so if you need a paycheck secure that paycheck that's something that's really important maslow's hierarchy of needs right we as psychology background we understand that if you don't have those things in line you're not gonna be able to focus on passion. You're not gonna be able to focus on purpose. And I tell them, find something else to give a crap about. And pardon my language there, but that's, that's the truth of it. It's find something in the world that you care about and pursue that. And that's going to give you the passion purpose that you're looking for in the interim while you're feeling out how to kind of navigate and learn to communicate in the civilian sector. That was something that I really took for granted when I was uh, making the transition myself is I know that today you and I both work with leaders and we talk a lot about organizational culture and vision and mission and purpose show up a lot in the in civilian sector well, with good reason. It's really important. Yeah. But I think that what I took for granted was that those things sort of became pre-wired and taken to a very elite level in the service because your mission is, is hardwired, you know, protect the nation. Okay, great. Like, where do I sign? Where do I start? Like, it was just kind of automatic. But then the traditions, the celebration, the identity, the pride, earning titles, decorations, everything was sort of built to enhance that. But there was never a need to go invent it. It was, it was just wired right into the fabric of everything that we did. Absolutely. It's, it's less conscious, right? And so you're expecting that same experience when you move into the civilian sector, and it's just not the same. And I find, um, I don't know if you're, I'm sure you're aware of this, the, the statistic that veterans, you know, within six months are leaving their first position. I'm one, I'm one of that statistic. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're looking for that same level of purpose within their work, and they're not going to find it right away. And that's okay. That is totally okay. It's normal. And in fact, I think it's encouraged because again, you're having that hormetic stress on your character. You're being placed in a new environment that you're not familiar with. And when that happened to you in the military, what did you learn to do? Adapt. So that's where the focus should be. It should be on focusing on other individuals who did this successfully and how can I mimic those things that they did to get me in their place? And how can I separate my identity from the identity of uh, the service? I really like that. And let's shift our gear, gears a little bit and talk more about that. So in terms of when I'm making a transition and let's say that I'm uh, in this case, we'll we'll talk about civilians making a, a transition mm -hmm. to perhaps a, another leadership role, maybe a different role inside the company. Maybe they're transitioning to a different company. Uh, one of the things that you were just talking about, and maybe I can get you to expand on a little bit, is observing others who have successfully made the transition. What might mm -hmm. that look like for a civilian leader who said, let's say, taking a a, a new role or a different role within an existing organization? 
Well, I think just to kind of backpedal for a second, it's important to not associate your title with your leadership. They're not the same. And if you train your leadership to that title, that's all you're ever going to be. And that's going to not prepare you to make that jump or make that move. So you need to constantly be looking at what type of leadership style do I align with? What are my natural strengths? Where do I need to stretch a little bit for my existing role? And then what target am I looking at? Okay, and finding that individual that's already in that place and picking their brain. Sometimes it's as simple as a phone call. And um, really just being open, I think is another thing that's really important. I think there's, um, there's a tendency once you've achieved a certain level of leadership that that's it. You've reached the mountaintop. And to me, there's nothing that could be more demotivating than that. Um, if I felt like I had done it all, like what's next then? Where For me, that would be the end of my road. So constantly learning, constantly engaging with those around you and, and you know, picking up on your team. What is it that you need from me and your future team? You know, so if you have the ability to speak with who you might be leading in the future, asking them, um, what is it that you need from me? What kind of support, you know, would you like to have, but maybe don't? And seeing where you can provide that. I like that so much. I think that um, what I've always been taught is that transitions are an era, a, a time, I should say, of both opportunity and danger. And mm -hmm. I think that that's really interesting when we think about that, because the opportunity is, is great. You can really make a bigger impact, maybe contribute in a different way. You can grow yourself. The danger comes from mishandling it. And so I really like the counsel you've given us, which is take the opportunity to prepare before you make the transition. Go seek out people who've been through it pick their brains, sit down with them, learn, not to say that their experience is going to be exactly the same as yours, but it gets your mind going, gets you ready in order Absolutely. to make that transition. It's very and I cool. think you'll find that that level of humility too serves really well. Um, I think people now, especially, or millennials, I mean, they want to be led by people who are, who have that level of humility, who are going to ask, what can I provide? Um, it's, it's much more about leading people, right? They're, they're not numbers anymore, they're people. And that's why things like PI exist <laughs> because we're trying to put the human back in the workplace and really make it a human-centered design. Yeah, it's actually the the namesake of the podcast, Lead the People, was because I personally experienced I was a pretty crappy business manager. I was trying to master the technical aspects when I first got out of military service, I took my first civilian management job but only came to realize that I was struggling because I wasn't being human at work. I wasn't acknowledging the people aspects of the role. So over the next you know, long bit, I dedicated myself to the people leadership parts that you're talking about. And so for me, lead the people is a reminder of saying, don't just manage the business when you need to lead the people if you're going to be a leader of people. Absolutely. And part of that is learning to inspire them as well. You know, that's something the military does really, really well. Um, and just finding what makes your employees tick, taking time to get to know who they are as people. I mean, it really goes a long way. It really does. It does. And I think that transitions can be challenging. Sometimes when we find that our people are going through a transition, maybe they're taking a role that we need them to take, but they didn't particularly ask for. Or maybe they're you know, taking on a new role that they really are excited about. But at the same time, there might be aspects of it that are going to be a stretch for them. Let's think about leaders uh, who are helping someone else through transition. You do a lot of this work as a, an independent person helping someone go through change like this. Yeah. What advice would you have for a leader who has somebody on their team 
who's making an important transition in roles, responsibility, department, something like that? I think it's all about asking the right questions, Matt. I really do. I think any sort of coaching behavior, any sort of mentorship, it really comes down to asking questions and asking the right questions. Um, one thing I like to say all the time is you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. Okay. Um, and that's just, that's what's true with people. Um, you have the ability as a coach or a mentor or a leader to be able to direct your people in the right direction. But if they don't buy into it, it's very unlikely that they're going to go that far, that they're going to do that. So it's just making sure that you understand them, that you understand their developmental path, what it is that their end goal looks like. And if they don't have that end goal, perhaps taking the time to sit down and kind of extrapolate it through some conversation and just see where it goes. That makes total sense. I know when I'm working with uh, leaders who are in transition, a lot of times what I find is that they get really focused. And so their perspective starts to narrow as they're mm -hmm. fixated, I would say, on, on some of the things that are going to be different or changing or they ne really need to be at their best. So when I'm in that coaching role myself, I find a lot of the questions I ask are about trying to broaden and almost prop the door open and keep that perspective wide about what are you experiencing? What are you seeing? What are you noticing? Just so that they don't get, miss the, the learning opportunity as they're going through that type of transition. Absolutely, Matt. And that sounds like you're preparing them for that situational awareness that we're taught so much about, right? It's opening those doors and windows and getting the fresh air in and shining light on the entire situation so that you're ready to perceive things in the correct way. Because a lot of it is perception. A lot of the, you know, leadership, everything is perception. And you just have to make sure that you have enough vantage points that you're looking from, enough viewpoints to make sure that you're not, like you said, boxing yourself in. Very nice. So I, uh, we're going to shift gears again. You're going to be blown away. I, I wrote a special trivia game for you. Are oh you ready goodness. for this? This oh, is going to be great. I, oh, okay. yeah. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so I call it Celebs Who Served. Celebrities who are in the military. I'm going to tell you the name of a celebrity. And all you have to do is just tell me which branch of the service you believe that they served in. Oh, my gosh. You're uh, going to get me in trouble. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'll put links. I'll put links to where I found all this information in the show notes. All right, Perfect. we're gonna start. Off, we're gonna start off with an easy one. The, mm -hmm. This is a Chuck Norris, martial arts expert. He was an air policeman in South Korea. Which branch of service did Chuck Norris serve in? Mm, air policeman. I'm gonna say Marine. Uh, he was actually the Air Force. Oh, I oh see. I, I don't know. know I don't know. I don't I know. No idea. Air Force. Oh, air policeman. Gosh, Sarah, getting all nervous. Not listening. Hang on. Here I go. I'm listening. <laughs> this is great. How about this one? Uh, uh, what was his name? Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, the actor in Star Wars. Adam Driver. I know this one. He was yeah. a Marine. He was a Marine. Because I adore him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty amazing. Oh, now we're going to shift gears. we go old school now. We've got uh, Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. Oh, gosh. Army. He was actually in the Navy. Oh, I didn't know this one either. Apparently, he entertained his fellow sailors with magic and comedy acts. While he was oh, on the yeah, Johnny classic Johnny Carson, right? He was a Midwestern guy. Uh, here's one, another one I didn't know. You're getting all the hard ones. Ice T from uh, rap fame and, and later uh, SVU. I think he's an actor mm -hmm. on SVU now, right? Has I'm gonna role. say I'm gonna say Navy. He was actually in the army. Oh my gosh! He was, these are hard, right? <laughs> I know these are obscure. He was a uh, 25th Infantry Division at uh, in Hawaii. He was stationed in Hawaii for quite a while. All right, here's one. I bet you know this one. B. Arthur, Golden Girls. Uh, she was uh, Maud. This is uh, old school. Television. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, if I had to guess, I would say that she was Air Force. She was a Marine. 
Oh my God! See, I, I don't know enough about celebrities. <laughs> she was actually a truck driver, and I made it to the rank of sergeant. I was an enlisted person. She was actually a staff sergeant. She was in for quite a while. Oh yeah. my gosh! Very cool. And then uh, here's one that I also did not know. I didn't know any of these. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Morgan what? Freeman. Yes, okay. the Morgan Freeman. Uh, hmm. I'll give you the hint. He describes sitting in the cockpit as sitting in the nose oh, of a airport. <laughs> he was airport. in the air force. Yeah. Yeah, for, okay. For years, he shared my years. namesake, my maiden namesake. So I should know that one. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Is that right? Wow, check that out. So then I, I, there's the, the lighting round. We have uh, Robin Quivers. She was uh, co host with Howard Stern for a long time. The Stern Show was yep. in the Air Force and she was a captain. Wow. Shocking. We're everywhere. We're everywhere, yep. Matt. Everywhere, everywhere. Drew Carey, Mr. T, Pat Sajak. Here was a fun one. Uh, the original Obi Wan Kenobi from Star Wars, Alec Guinness, was in the British Royal Navy. He was actually an officer on landing craft that took British soldiers to the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. That's amazing. Absolutely fantastic. People have fascinating lives, people that you never would have thought of. But I guarantee that these folks all developed and, and learned things in their in the military that they carried with them all throughout their life, including the last one. I, I This one totally blew me away. Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix was in the U.S. Army. And not only that, was in the 101st Airborne Division but broke his ankle while parachuting. I know, right? Jimi Hendrix. Jimi oh Hendrix. my gosh, that blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Died Crazy. too soon. Well, there you go. So there it is. Celebs who serve. Thanks for playing with us, Sarah. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So before I get you out of here, where can my listeners go to learn more about you and connect with you? Absolutely. So of course, the, the stand all be all would be freegoconsulting.com. You can go over there, head on over there and see what we're doing. And my handle is at Sarah Smithberry. I'm sure you can find a place to write that down somewhere for these folks. And uh, it's everywhere. So that's that's me on um, pretty much every social media outlet. I like to standardize it, make it super in, uh, easy for people to find me. Very cool. I will absolutely include those links in the show notes and the episode notes. Sarah, I can't thank you enough for sharing your experiences all around transitioning, what we've learned in our military experience as we move to civilian life and, and how uh, leaders at every level can, can learn the same. Thanks so much for being with us today. Matt, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Here are my illustrious top three takeaways from today's episode. One, stress begets strength. While uncomfortable in the moment, stress is an inherent part of hormesis, a process through which your body and character can heal stronger as a result of adversity. Two, think big, but not too big. Focusing on a grandiose purpose or passion can lead to disappointment if you force the issue. Find your footing with something here and now and have faith that your bigger why will emerge in due time. Three, commitment is key. Before you can direct another person to a better tomorrow, you have to ensure that they're bought into your vision of what's possible and ready to do what it'll take to get there. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider hitting the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making this investment in your leadership ability. And thanks for sharing this podcast with another aspiring leader who needs to hear it. All right, leaders, until next time, don't just manage the business when you can lead the people. Catching people off guard is fantastic, I think. So yeah.